He is the modern day Don Nealon. But Don Nealon's Mountaineers enjoy walking in where angels fear to tread. He's bought into the program. As the hills of West Virginia resound with the sounds of Northern football. It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. I was watching ESPN today and they showed a little thing about uh, our game tonight in the poll. And the whole U.S. was covered in red. And the only state, the greatest state of the nation, was covered in blue. That was West Virginia. And that's why we won this game. Trust the climb. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. Mountaineer Nation, let's ride. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads Webcast, the 2022 edition of the Season Prediction Roundtable. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz. Got my co-host, Steven, with me. How you doing, everybody? And Bradley. What's up, everyone? And this year for the Season Prediction Roundtable, we wanted to make it a little bit extra special. Fifth annual, 2022 edition. So I figured bring in some special guests. We've got Ryder, who you know probably from the Country Roads Webcast Hoop Show, if you follow the WVU mm-hmm. basketball side of the podcast. What's going on, Ryder? How we doing, guys? Good to be here. Good to have you. Glad to see you on the football side this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Try my hand at it. <laughs> and then our last special guest for this year's season prediction roundtable. If you follow WVU, if you follow college sports, I'm sure you know him. We got Coos from Coos's Corner on. What's going on, Coos? Yeah, hey guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, glad to have you, Coos, as always. Thank both of you yeah, guys absolutely. for joining. Yeah. yeah. We've got yeah, a whole squad excited, on here today. Yeah. We've got a group. The, the first ever season prediction roundtable, like the first year I started the podcast, Stephen wasn't a full-time host, but he was a guest on that one. So outside of that, before him becoming a full-time host a few episodes later, this is the first time we've had guests for the season prediction roundtable. So uh, it's going to be pretty nice. I'm excited. I'm honored to be your first guest then. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't, uh, he put me, couldn't have asked put me for a better first, one. right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Second guest. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't consider you well, a guest, te- you're, you're part of the crew. Right? This is, this is that's true. true. That's true. Yeah, you're part a crew of, member. Part of the Country Roads webcast team, so yeah. technically not not a guest, just a guest on the football show, I guess. You know, he takes my spot on the hoop side because we know how that goes. But um, I guess here's how we're going to do this. If you guys have listened to the season prediction roundtable before, you kind of know how this goes. Um, we're going to go through the schedule, break it down um, game by game, each predict a win or a loss come up with our record predictions for WVU in 2022. Um, we'll probably just to make it easy, go around in order of the screen. So like I'll go first, uh, announce the game, go first, then Steven, you go, then Brad, follow him. Coos after that, then Ryder. That way we'll just keep that order and make it nice and easy uh, on us and easy on the listeners and viewers. And if you're watching on the YouTube side, hit the like button. That helps us video performance, helps our future videos performance, helps hit the algorithm. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountain football content. Out to Mountaineer Nation. And uh, follow us on Twitter at WVU Country Roads, Facebook and Instagram, Country Roads Webcast, and the link to our merch store in the video description down below. Now that I got the promotion out of the way, let's get into it, gentlemen. Kick it off right at the beginning. The backyard brawl, we know the storylines are immense. Um, could go on and on about those. 
you know, the coaches poll came out today. At the time we're recording this, AP poll not out, but Pitt ranked 16th in the coaches poll. So it's going to be a ranked Pitt team, West Virginia, going on the road to face to open the season. This one was kind of tough for me. I went back and forth on it. I think on paper, maybe Pitt has a better team. You know, I'm going to dive into it a little bit more numbers-wise, analytics-wise for the backyard brawl preview when that time comes. But I think on paper, you know, just off the top of my head, Pitt probably better team on, on paper. But I think West Virginia is going to be highly motivated. I think the staff's doing a great job of getting the Mountaineers ready. I think West Virginia has a lot of – the Mountaineers have a lot of West Virginia natives with Dante Stills on the defense. And then on the offensive line, three West Virginia natives. So I think this is going to mean a lot. And I think West Virginia is going to show up and, and show out. And I'm going to get the Mountaineers starting off 1-0 uh, with a close win over, over Pittsburgh in an upset. Um, Steven, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, when you look at them on, on paper, that Pitt probably does look a little bit a little bit better than West Virginia when you look at them on there. Um, their defensive line is very, very deep this year. Um, but what I've heard out of uh, – Keaton Slovis is not good things coming out of out of spring camp or fall camp, so I'm not really too confident in that. And that paired with me hating Pitt as much as I do, I'm not picking West Virginia to lose that game. There's no way. I like it. Yeah, and I, I'm gonna follow that right up with. I think that this game's gonna come down to who's gonna be ready to get up for the game first. You know what I mean? It's gonna be who's who's gonna be the hungriest. And I I going into that game, I can't think that it's Pitt. So I think the Mountaineers come out the hungry, the hungrier of the two teams, and that's what's going to lead us to that big fat dub beginning of the year and the Accusure Stadium season season debut for L for Pitt there. I love it. So three from our regular host, uh, special guest Coos. Uh, do you keep it going with another uh, W for West Virginia predicted here? Well, I guess I'm going to be the oddball here. I'm, I'm picking this game with my head, not with my heart. Okay. Uh, I understand. Uh, I understand. I almost did the same. Pitt has almost everybody coming back with the exception of their two studs, Pickett and Addison. Those are two important losses, but Mm -hmm. D-line, O-line, both should be strong. Uh, Their their strengths are our strengths, which I don't think is a good matchup for us. Uh, I think it will be extremely close, but because it's at Pitt, I I give them a a slight edge in the game. It's probably probably going to come down to a a field goal or something. Wow. my opinion. Understandable. I went back and forth. I think either way game. it goes, it'll be a really close game. I do think that. Yeah, yeah I honestly I think we could go ahead and just cut Coos out of this by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm already I'm already blackballed. Uh, we are we are blue. This is why we don't have here. guests. Oh, man. I knew yeah. we shouldn't have done hey. this. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. The different uh, different off. opinions. That's the whole thing. Hopefully, bringing in some uh, some different voices to this. So I'm I'm actually oh, you know I'm, I'm not glad that he picked us to lose, but you know I'm glad. A little bit difference, you know, is good. So, uh, Ryder, what about you? Uh, what do you got here? Be a shame if I picked Pitt as well, huh? But <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to echo a lot of the same sentiments as Stephen. I think uh, the D lines are pretty strong, so it's going to be who can attack the secondaries. I think JT better than Slovis. It's a W. I like it. I like yeah. it. I like what I'm hearing. So, um, three of uh, four of us rather have the Mountaineers at one and zero. One of us. At 0-1 to start it off. Next game would be Saturday, September 10th against Kansas. Um, I figured I'd do something different here because these are kind of both games where West Virginia's favored a lot. So I figured I would just come at it this way. Saturday, September 10th against Kansas. Saturday, September 17th against Towson. Does anybody have the Mountaineers losing either one of those games? No. 
I was actually going to suggest suggest that you introduce it like this so it would go quicker, so I'm glad you did that. Yeah. I do want to interject yeah. one thing, and then we'll move on. West Virginia has to be careful because they're, coming, they're going to be coming off an emotional game with Pitt. They cannot come into Morgantown and take Kansas lightly or they can get beat. That's one thing I am I concerned. Agree. I, think, I think the first half we may come in a little bit sluggish like we did against Texas Tech last year, but not that bad, not, not to that degree. But at, but at the end, I think we pulled come out with a win. Uh, are you looking at that as like because you picked it as to lose to Pitt? You think if we lose to Pitt, that we're going to be even more sluggish going into the game against Kansas, or do you think that lights a bit more? I, I don't. Fire? I don't think a win or loss is going to matter. I think it's just okay. They're going to get so. The I emotion. mean, they're already they're playing Sweet Carolina at practice every day. Mm-hmm. They're so they're so yeah. mentally invested in this game, and emotionally invested in the game. Then they've got to flip another switch and play an p- opponent who they're expected to crush, right? And it may be mentally they may not be able to flip that switch as quick as they need to. That's all. That's all it is. I actually was thinking of something along those lines the other day. Once you know, I'm you know watching clips of practice and I'm hearing them play Sweet Caroline, and and I was thinking the exact same thing. I really hope that West Virginia doesn't. You know, this isn't their championship game of the season in a sense, to mm-hmm. where they they come out so emotionally high in this game, and then you know not just just Kansas and Towson, but so many other games on the schedule that that could snowball into, yep. you know, going down the line. So that's oh, yeah. really – I think that really happened last game. year. I think that happened last year in the Texas Tech game. I think they let Oklahoma beat them two times. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For sure. I'd agree with that. They should have had Oklahoma. For sure. I mean, but and even more so with Virginia Tech following up, like that's another emotional game. So it's like sandwich, you know. Yeah. You can't be looking back and you can't be looking too far forward. you got to be right there in that moment. So, Yeah, but, Kansas but, is yeah, a perfect but, spot for a potential trap. Yeah, but, but since, it's a, since it's at home and it's at night, I think West Virginia is going to win the game. Yeah, that's that's the one thing for me is, you know, home opener and it's finally a night game. Neil Brown hasn't really had one of those particularly. So I think that's the one thing that put it over the top for me. But I do think this Kansas team is going to be the best Kansas team in quite some time. I said on our season five kickoff show where we did our little uh, Big 12 rundown a little bit, Big 12 preview type thing, that I think this Kansas team could win four games, which doesn't sound like a lot. But for Kansas, that's, you know, pretty good yeah. considering where they have been. So yeah. Oh, yeah, that's growth for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Lopold, I think, is uh, doing a good job there. So we'll see. But uh, we all got West Virginia winning against Kansas and Towson. So that's four of us at uh, 3-0 and and uh, one of us who's at 2-1 and right now. And then short week, and the Mountaineers go back on the road to play another rival. Excited for this one. I'm sure we all are. Heading to Blacksburg Thursday, September 22nd to take on the Hokies. You know, I really – went back and forth on this one again because I didn't want to pick West Virginia to beat both of the rivals on the road. And I think if West Virginia loses to one, I'm leaning more that it's Pitt. But, you know, I just couldn't pick us to lose that one. I think West Virginia is going to be good in this game, but I think it's going to be closer than people think. West Virginia's got the better team on paper, but Blacksburg in a Thursday night game is going to be super tough environment and going on a short week is no easy task. But, you know, i got the Mountaineers sneaking out another WSO. 4-0 start for the season. Fingers crossed that I'm right. Uh, Steven? Uh, I actually um, – I'm going to play the, uh, the the advocate on this one. Um, I, I went back and forth with it. I know that Virginia Tech doesn't, doesn't really have a lot of talent coming back this year. I don't really think that that is going to be the main thing that goes into what plays into this, I guess, you know, more to say. I think that the atmosphere over there is going to be electric, especially the the way that the game was last year in Morgantown. Um, I think that a lot of Tech fans feel like that they could have they 
they would have won that game if there was at least one more minute on the game clock. And I'm not so sure that I disagree with that, with the way that they were building momentum in the fourth yeah. quarter of that game last year. So I know that the fans are going to be really amped up about that game. Um, on a Thursday night in Blacksburg, it's going to be a super, super tough environment. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen upsets a lot worse than that one in that stadium you know, from, from Virginia Tech pulling it out. And I'm not trying to sound, you know, any pro Virginia Tech. I'm just saying with this rivalry, yeah, I, the more times that I've watched West Virginia walk into Lane Stadium and, and have the, the quote-unquote better team, um, they've been unsuccessful in pulling out a win. So, And for that reason alone, I guess history played a more of a part in my pick in that one. But I picked West Virginia to lose that game, unfortunately. And then for another reason, I don't. I also don't think that West Virginia will win um, both games against Pitt and Virginia Tech. All my the losses and wins that I picked on this schedule, the overall record, like I told you guys before we went live, I feel very confident in the overall record that I picked. The losses where I picked them, not so confident at. So some of these I feel like could be interchangeable to a point, but this is just where my heart felt like they would land. Gotcha. Yeah. So with this, I'm going off of the the assumption. I'm going with my season mind here. This this the story that I'm building up for myself. That's typically the way I like to approach these preseasons. Is I've got a story in my head about how I think Mountaineers usually play and how things usually go for us. And you know, it worked okay for me last year, other than you know uh, picking way too many wins. But um, I have us winning this game. I think that you know Virginia Tech's going to have a little bit of a down year, and I know that Blacksburg's going to be tough. But I think that this is going to be a really good game. Um, but going into it, I, I'm going to give ourselves the win. But if you ask me week four of the football season, especially if we lost a pit on my guess on this game, it might change. So we do the pregame before that one. If we've lost a pit, then I might see us wavering a little bit more against Virginia Tech. But right now I think that the way I see it in my head, I definitely see us going to Virginia Tech and pulling out a close one. I'll, I'll echo what uh, Bradley said, I think. Tech's going to be a very tough opponent. Obviously, it's a very tough environment to play in. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, I think they're uh, they're having some kind of special promotion around that game, so they're going to be up for it. But I think at the end of the day, I think Tech's going to be pretty. I think Tech's going to be uh, a pretty bad team this year, to be honest. And I think West Virginia's just going to be the better team, and they'll come out on top at the in the end. Yeah, it's one of those ones where I could see us playing really sloppy. Like it could be a really sloppy game, and that's what's going to make it a game against Virginia Tech because that's just how bad teams win. Yeah, and I think it's going to be just sloppy enough that we do take a loss. I still feel like we lost the one last year. Like if I'm still sitting in that stadium, like the entire fourth quarter, it felt like a loss. We, we got the win. We pulled it out real nice. I don't know – Virginia Tech has to play Old Dominion, Boston College, and Wofford before this. We've got road game at a Power Five, then a sneaky, tough Kansas team in the second week. I just think Virginia Tech's going to be a little bit more fresh. Surprise us in Blacksburg. I didn't think about it that way. That's okay. also a good point. Yeah, that is. That is a good point. So a little bit of discrepancy in the pick so far. I like it, gentlemen. So – We've got me and Brad uh, with the super opt- optimism so far, uh, both at four, with the 4-0 start. Oh, yeah, 4-0. Uh, Kuz, Steven, and Ryder with the Mountaineers at 3-1. and uh, Following the game against Virginia Tech, Mountaineers hit the road 
yet again Saturday, October 1st, to take on Texas. Uh, this Texas Longhorns team loaded on offense, got a lot of talent, uh, defense the question mark, as I think, you know, last season we saw that Texas defense struggle. So it's really a matter of if that defense can improve probably to see if this Texas team's going to be, you know, better than what they have been in the past, you know, who knows, almost decade now, I guess. But um, as we've all, all heard in the season five kickoff show, or Bradley and uh, Steven at least, I'm pretty high on Texas. Uh, I think they got a lot of weapons. I um, think they'll be able to outscore the Mountaineers, especially on the road in Austin, um, you know. So I got the first loss coming here against the Longhorns. I actually <clears throat> I went back and forth a lot with this one. This was actually one of the ones that I skipped and came back to a few times uh, just because, you know, for the, the reasons you mentioned, their defense, you know, that's a huge question mark. So I feel like West Virginia with – the the firepower that we have on offense this year and the offensive coordinator coming in, you know, Graham Harrell. I feel like West Virginia has a really good chance to run the score up on those guys down there. Um, however, with Quinn Ewers and Bijan Robinson and all those guys, you know, I feel like that Texas has the chance to make it a shootout down there, you know, and I think that traditionally West Virginia has has came out successful on on that end down in Austin when they've had those types of games down there. Um, so for that reason, I picked West Virginia to bounce back with a win, uh, with a win that week, especially if wow, they, okay. you know, where I predicted them to lose to Virginia tech. I think that going on the road, you know, and this being a season, a statement season um, is what I'm calling it for Neil Brown. I think that, you know, we have to go on the road and play teams that are going to be top in the conference and we have to play them competitively and, and be able to win those types of games. And I think that's a point of emphasis this year. And I think that's that's going to be a, a huge reason that West Virginia gets a close win down there in Austin this year. Yeah. And one thing I agree on you with that is that I do think it's going to be a shootout. I think that this is really going to be a, a tale of offenses right here. And I think that it's going to be a high scoring game. Um, my thing is I don't – looking at this game, I don't know if this is a team that's going to be able to live up to that moment is the way it almost kind of feels for me because you're going to have a Texas team that's probably going to be still ranked top 15, even with a loss to Alabama. Um, you're going to have them hungry and ready to prove something because they have some cakewalks up before that besides Alabama, you know, UTSA, Texas Tech, um, some easier teams that they're going to play against. So they're going to be itching for a team. And if we come into it, my my story in mind in my head, we're going to be a top 25 team. There's no way you beat two power five, three power five teams in your first four weeks and don't start out ranked, um, one of them being ranked. And so <clears throat> it's just to that point where I, I – it could our team live up to that moment because it's going to have to be an absolute mountaineer momentous mountaineer moment um, to pull a win out in Texas. And even though I'm not sitting on high as high on Texas this year as, you know, Steven and Jordan have been, um, I don't think we come out of there with a W. I think that Texas is going to be up and ready to play unless they're looking past us towards Oklahoma the week after us um, could sway our way a little bit. But at this time, I just don't think that um, this team is up for that moment yet. So I have us losing our first game against Texas. I uh, have to agree with Bradley on this one. I think this game is going to be a shootout. I think we're going to have to score 50 points or more to win the game. And I'm just not sure that we can outscore Texas's high-powered offense. As much as I love JT Daniels and I think he's going to have a monster year, I'm just not uh, convinced that Texas uh, – we're going to be able to outscore Texas. And their their offense – and I, I think our defense will be good this year, but Texas is – in my opinion, Texas's offense is just going to be a different animal. And it's at Texas – 
so I'll give them the edge there, and I think uh, Mountaineers lose their second game of the season in Austin. I'm going to have to follow Steven once again. We have the exact same schedule plan out. I think it's a, a win here. I, I'm very scared of Bijan. He's, he's an animal. He's a freak. He might score four touchdowns. Who knows? Wouldn't be surprised. But this this just feels like we, we have gotten it done at Texas before, and I think JT can shine on the road, and this will be his moment of, oh, he's, he, he, he's here. That's another good point, actually, too. You know, it does seem like that West Virginia quarterbacks have their 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 most shining game, I guess, versus Texas. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Gino did. Gino did. Jordan and I Gino. just feel like we're the anti-Texas, man. It's just what we're, it's what we're branded to do. We're yeah. like the team that was like built to beat Texas, man. Because we're not, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kansas is also the anti-Texas, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do got a win and record against uh, Texas so far in, in the Big 12. So hopefully uh, that, you know, keep that going at least, you know, if the water's still even at this year. So done pretty good mm-hmm. since joining the conference, but following that game, the Mountaineers will have their bye week. Um, at least we all know to this point, uh, none of us are picking the Mountaineers to go 12 and 0. All have a loss on the books. I've got the Mountaineers sitting at four and one. Coos has them at three and two. Steven also at uh, four and one. Bradley at four and one, and Ryder at four and one as well. Mountaineers next game then will come after the bye week Thursday, October thirteenth for another Thursday night home game. This time against Baylor, striped the stadium, and um, Baylor, you know, last year's champion of the conference, this year's uh, preseason favorite. Um, Bradley, Stephen, as you guys know, I'm not high on Baylor at all. I just don't. I don't. I don't really see it uh, personally. Not this year with what I, they lost on defense, um, and I think they're losing the dual threat option with Bohannon. I think Shapin's, you know, a great passer with great potential. We'll see. But Tyquan Thornton was a good weapon on offense as well. And being at home on a Thursday night, striped stadium crowd. Baylor, I don't think they've won in Morgantown, unless I'm mistaken. And I think that continues. I got the Mountaineers uh, getting the win against the preseason conference favorites. Yeah, this one, uh, <clears throat> this one actually broke my heart to pick um, because out of all of the the ones that I picked on on the schedule, this one is probably one of the ones that I'm more confident in. Unfortunately, um, I I hate to pick West Virginia losing the night game in Morgantown, but I think that I'm the opposite of you, Cruz. I think that the Baylor Bears are going to be very loaded this year. I've got yeah, them. I've got them winning the conference, but I think that the Baylor Bears are going to be very, very good and as good, if not better, than advertised. I think they're going to be a better team than last year, um, and wow. I, I think it's going to be too much for West Virginia to handle. Um, so I've got West Virginia losing losing that one as well. And I'm right there with Steven. I think the Baylor is going to be one of the best teams uh, in the Big Twelve this year, if not the country. I think that they've reloaded and they're stacked and ready to go. Um, I do think that this is going to be a close game, though. I think it's going to be super exciting. It might be one of our most exciting games of the year. And I think it's going to be a knockdown, drag out kind of fight where you just see, you know, whoever has the most explosive plays at the end is going to win it. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and have those of you drop in their second one in a row and drop in four and two on the season against the Baylor Bears. Okay. This is going to be a season of firsts for West Virginia on their schedule. 
Therefore, I think this is the first time Baylor comes to Morgantown and wins. Oh, I, I hate to say it because, like like Stephen said, I hate to pick them to lose a night game, but I think Baylor's going to be really good. I think for Dave Aranda to pick Blake Chapin as the quarterback that early on, he he knows something. Mm-hmm. I think Blake Chapin could be a stud, and we just don't know it yet. It's true. I think their defense is going to be as good or better than last year, even though they lost some pieces. They do have some pieces back as well. Siaki Ika being the biggest one. Uh, I do question their running back oh, yeah. position. I don't know what they're going to have back there, but I think they'll be good enough around it to uh, offset it. And I think, and I do think Better will be the best team in the Big Twelve this year. And I think they win in Morgantown in a close one. All right, I'm going to keep that train rolling. Not looking like a good week, even off of a bye. But is it even a bye with a Thursday game? It's kind of just a little bit of a long week. Kind of unfortunate, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I don't think – I mean, I think we're better than last year, but I don't know if we're up to Baylor's standards quite yet. Okay, so I'm the, I'm the odd man out on that one. So uh, only one that picks the, picks the win against Baylor. So I've got the I hope you're right, five Cruz, one. if it counts. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I'm right too. Uh, you know, I just think – well, I'll look back at um, Iowa State uh, two years ago in 2020, really dominated the Mountaineers, right? And Neil Brown said they really used that to motivate them for a year leading up to the game this past season, and then they upset Iowa State. And I think Baylor is one of the games where Virginia got dominated this past season. So I guess I'm kind of hoping history repeats itself with that one, and they do the same thing and really motivated for for Baylor coming into Morgantown on a Thursday night. So, but uh, that being said, That's I've got you. the Mountaineers at five and one, Coos with the Mountaineers at three and three, Stephen with the Mountaineers at four and two. Bradley also with the Mountaineers at four and two, and Ryder with the Mountaineers at four and two, and that's where we stand through six games halfway through the Mountaineers season. The next game coming on the road, going to Lubbock to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and here's a game that um, interesting on the schedule. We know the struggles with Texas Tech past few years. Uh, a lot of people have been picking West Virginia to lose this game to Texas Tech, but personally, I just don't see it. I think West Virginia is going to know, you know, Texas Tech's not going to sneak up on them again. Can't happen like a fourth time, right? But I just don't think Texas Tech's going to have a very great team this year, personally. I'm not very high on them. I like Joey McGuire a lot coming in as their new head coach, but I think it's going to take some time uh, with that. Uh, and that being said, I got the Mountaineers uh, moving to 6-1 and one so far. Yeah, I've actually, uh, I don't think that with everything, I think the Texas Tech. I mentioned this um, in the Big Twelve preview the other day, uh, but I think the Big Tw- the Texas Tech uh, rather is going to be in a rebuild year in a sense. I think that they're eventually going to be very good, um, but I think that this year is going to be a lot of struggles on both sides of the ball trying to get their schematics in place, and um, I think the West Virginia is going to go down to Lubbock and get get a W this year. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I'll start out saying I do think this is going to be a win, but I'm a little bit higher on Texas Tech than you guys are. I think that, you know, uh, McGuire coming in, I think that they've got some components down there to make it like a, to make some of these games scary. And I think that coming off of Texas and Baylor is kind of easy to, you know, take a sigh that you're not playing against, you know, one of the better teams in the Big 12. And I think that that's a scary thing going down to Lubbock, a team that's really uh, under Neil Brown has struggled. Um, against Texas Tech, and so I think that it's it's going to be a scary one. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that game's a lot closer than what a lot of expected people expect it to be. But in the end, I've got faith in Neil Brown to make sure that we come out of that game with the W. So, 
This is the second first of the season. Neil Brown gets his first win at Tech against Texas Tech. I'm, right. I'm like, uh, I don't think Texas Tech's going to have a whole lot this year. I think they're in rebuilding mode. And this is the year that Neil Brown get, finally gets them. Make it a clean sweep. Bring out the brooms. <laughs> We're taking them down. New coach. It's just it's a recipe for a win for us. Really getting into our swing here. Beautiful. That's Love the first it, sweep so. of the pod, guys. First well, unanimous decision. We finally agree on something. First one since the Kansas and Towson games that we've all picked mm-hmm. uh, straight wins across oh, yeah. the board yeah, on. Yeah. So glad to see it. I think we all agree that we're due uh, against Texas Tech. But following the Texas Tech game, then it goes to Saturday, October 29th. Mountaineers come back to Morgantown for homecoming, taking on the TCU Horned Frogs. Um, no, it feels like I'm picking a lot of wins here, and I kind of am. But um, I feel like the first four games of the schedule and the last four games are the two crucial parts of the schedule to me. So coming up, you know, some things may change. But that first four games, I got the Mountaineers getting through 4-0. and I got them staying and getting back to another winning streak here with a win over TCU for the second third-game winning streak of the season, which will be big because, you know, uh, Neil Brown hasn't won three games in a row yet as West Virginia head coach. So I got him doing it a couple times here in the first uh, few games, and I got the Mountaineers moving to 7-1 and one with a victory over the Horned Frogs. Yeah, I'm not expecting the uh, the TCU Horned Frogs to be very much this year with the with the exit of Gary Patterson. I think that uh, I think that they're in limbo in a sense, <clears throat> so I'm not really looking for them to have a very, very up year. I think that they're going to be in almost a worse case than what Texas Tech is in and the way that they've you know, switched out head coaches and every and a lot of people on their staff. Um, I think that that West Virginia is going to handle them easily in Morgantown. I think this is going to be one of the easier games that West Virginia has on our schedule. As a matter of fact, besides, of course, Towson and Kansas. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the same thing. I think TCU is going to be really struggling this year, trying to replace an iconic head coach and Gary Patterson. Um, I just don't think that they're going to have it all together by that point. They're going to be taking their licks by this time. And that's a game I'm going to be circling for myself to go up there because Morgantown, uh, Halloween in Morgantown is just a different animal. Um, it's my favorite time to be up there, and I, I'll for sure be going to that game myself. Um, I might not remember half of this one either, but, yeah, I think that TCU is going to be a fun game to watch, so I'll be there for it. I'm, I'm like you guys. I don't expect TCU to be very good. I do think Sonny Dykes is a good coach, but – you know, year one of the new school is always hard. Replacing a guy like Gary Patterson, who was a defensive genius, basically. So uh, they may take a step back on the defensive side of the ball. It's homecoming uh, at home. Mountaineers come out with a W. Yep, another sweep here. Uh, they're also going to be without Zach Evans this year, who I also think underrated. Um, so I, I just don't see them getting a win. Uh, in yeah, great point on the loss of Zach Evans. That's a big loss. I think he went to where do you end up? Ole Miss, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think I think he's underrated too as a running back and losing him. And then as I think a couple a couple of you guys mentioned the loss of Gary Patterson. You know, first new coach around there and over 15 years. So that's definitely gonna be an adjustment. So we all picked the Mountaineers for the win against TCU. Final four game stretch of the season here coming up. I think is gonna which I think is the toughest part, but. Through eight games, I have the Mountaineers at seven and one. Coos with the Mountaineers at five and three. Steven with the Mountaineers at six and two. 
Bradley also at six and two, and Ryder at six and two as well. Uh, next, the Mountaineers go on the road to a tough place to play, Ames, Iowa, to take on the Iowa State Cyclones Saturday, November fifth. And to me, like I said, I picked a lot of wins on the schedule thus far, but traditionally there's always a game West Virginia slips up and loses that they probably shouldn't. To me, I think this is going to be that game this season. I think Iowa State is a very hard place to play. West Virginia's really struggled there. I think Hunter Deckers is a guy that's got a lot of potential. Um, higher ceiling than Brock Purdy. You know, he's just got to prove it still. Uh, Jarrell Brock taking over at running back is going to be good. I know they lose Brees Hall. They lose Kolar. They lose Purdy. They lose a lot there at Iowa State. Mike Rose on defense as well. But I think uh, Matt Campbell's done a good job building the program. they got guys to plug in. So I think they'll be decent uh, to good, you know, midline of there, the Big 12. I think West Virginia will have a better team overall, maybe a better record at the end of the season. But they're going to struggle and get upset by Iowa State names. And i got the Mountaineers taking the loss here. Yeah, I absolutely agree that it's a, a very hard environment to play in Ames. It always has been when we went out there. There's something about West Virginia, playing West Virginia, I think, to Iowa State fans that they get up and at it for. I don't know what it is about playing us, but they absolutely love it. And they're always fired up whenever we go out there. Um, with that being said, I just, I, you know, with the loss of Brock Purdy, you know, Charlie Kohler and um, Brees Hall, I don't. I just don't see how they're going to replace all that firepower that quickly and bounce back, for, especially at a school that has struggled um, as much as Iowa State has on the football side of things. Uh, you know, I'm thinking back before those guys really took off and made Iowa State the, the powerful program that it has been in the last two seasons or so. Um, you know, they, they weren't that much above Kansas whenever we were going through these predictions then, so... I kind of think that they'll step back towards towards that a little bit, and I think that West Virginia um, goes out there, maybe not rolls them so much, but I don't think that it's going to be that close of a football game, I think around five or ten points or so. Yeah, and like you guys said, without a doubt, uh, Iowa State just likes to play us, and that's I would say that it's my most worrisome place to visit, in my opinion, because I think that we've shown that we can show up anywhere else and play out except for Iowa State. I mean, Ames just seems to be the place where it's really tough for us. Um, that being said, I think that we're in the swing of things at this point in time. I think we're coming off of a really good game against TCU. We're feeling good about ourselves. Um, uh, we've only lost to two, some of the better teams in the big 12. So, uh, I think we're going to go into Ames. I think we're going to get that W. I think that Neil Brown's going to have his team ready to play. And I think that they're going to be up and at them. And I think it's going to be a, a win for the Mountaineers. I'm, I'm like Steven. I'm not real high in Iowa state. I think they're going to take a major step back this, this season. I think Matt Campbell, I'm not saying he's not a good coach, but I, I think he might be a little bit overrated. Uh, I mean, they still haven't even won nine games in a season yet, I don't, to my knowledge. Sure. So, yeah. uh, I, and they, they lost a lot of pieces. I mean, uh, I just, and I just, I'm just not real high on them. And I think Mountaineers go into Ames and, and pull, out a, pull out a W in front of that hostile environment. It's going to be close now, but I think we, I think we can pull it off. All right. And I, much like Jordan, actually think that this is going to be that typical loss. Just slap shit in the face. Like, we shouldn't lose to a team like this. It just, it, it does wreak that for me as well. Uh, especially, I mean, I might be looking ahead on the calendar. I don't know if they are, but that next game could be pretty juicy. I, it's supposed to be, you know, one of our sh a shorter road trip, but it's still not that short. I, I think 
this is where we we tumble a little bit and I get a little sad. Yeah, there's always that one that one slip up that you know West Virginia loses to a team that they shouldn't lose to. Probably that's the one consistent that's been throughout West Virginia's seasons, you know, in recent history is they always usually beat somebody they probably shouldn't and lose to somebody they probably shouldn't. And uh, hopefully me and Ryder are wrong on this one, but that's what we both got. So then um, it's the the big one as far as Mountaineer fans are concerned because it's the one we've been chasing since we joined the conference, and that's the Oklahoma Sooners. And you get them at home in Morgantown Saturday, November 12th, going to be the true blue game. For me, this one uh, – I went back and forth on because last year I didn't think the Mountaineers would really stand a chance. And, you know, they probably should have beat Oklahoma last year. And, you know, Oklahoma was definitely the better team, but West Virginia was right there in that. And that was in Norman. And this time, you know, you're in Morgantown. Uh, you're not going to get too many chances at them. Who knows, this could be the last time they come to Morgantown. So the team should be hungry. But I think Oklahoma, I think they're going to take a little step back with, the, you know, completely new coaching staff. But, I think if this game was earlier in the season, I might feel differently about it. But later in the season, I feel like Oklahoma will have enough time to get their new pieces rolling, Dylan Gabriel and all the talent that they have with that new staff. Jeff Levy coming in from Ole Miss, offense should still be good. Um, I got the Mountaineers falling to the Sooners, unfortunately. Back-to-back losses here for me. Yeah, I actually um, – I have one reason alone that I picked West Virginia – and the outcome that they did in this game. And that was because last year when West Virginia lost that game to Oklahoma out there in Norman, I told you guys on this very podcast that until West Virginia beats them, I'm not picking them to beat them anymore. So, and for that reason alone, I'm picking West Virginia to lose to the Sooners. And I do think that West Virginia um, will have the, the better football team. I think that the Sooners will take a, a huge, huge step back this year. Um, I, I know that the pieces that they got coming in are good pieces. They got a good head coach in Brent Venables. Um, they got a good quarterback from from uh, Central Florida. I forget his his name. Um, Dylan Gabriel is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. that's his name. Um, they've got some good pieces, but I just don't see how you replace an entire team on offense and defense, and then you replace a whole entire coaching staff in the in a dumpster fire that you were left in when Lincoln Riley left. Uh, I just I just don't see how that's going to be, you know, an overall success of a football season. Um, but for the the reasons I cited before, I picked West Virginia to lose that football game, unfortunately. Yeah, and um, I'll be the first to do it. I feel like I won't be the last one, but I'm going to pick West Virginia in this game. I think that we're going to come out with a reason to win, and that's going to be Oklahoma's going to be in our stadium for the last time. And um, in my storyline, I'm building in my head at this point. Mountaineers are really rolling. They just pulled out a win in Iowa. Um, they're going to be excited to play against Oklahoma because at this point in time, we're talking about Big 12 national, uh, Big 12 championship contention. And uh, I think that it's going to be another messy game, though. I think that it's going to be an ugly one. And I, like I said earlier, I said um, bad teams can win messy games. So I think it's going to be a mess. Not bad team. We're not a bad team uh, by any means. But I think that we've got a chance to win this game because I think it's going to be a messy one. It's going to be a knockdown, drag out game. And uh, I'm going to have the Mountaineers pulling out the W. I think it's going to be a close one, but I'm going to give it to us. Okay. Year first, Mountaineers finally pulled off the dub over Oklahoma. Oh, wow. It's at home. It's a true blue game. They're going to have a huge chip on their shoulder after last year. Uh, Oklahoma's going through some turmoil right now with what just happened. Today we're filming this uh, with the whole deal yeah. with uh, Kel Gundy, a legendary coach, being let yep. go, and a lot of fans are not happy about that. And from what I'm hearing, a lot of players may not even be happy about that. So it'll be interesting to see how they – 
how they deal with that. But I do think Oklahoma's going to take a couple steps back this year. Uh, I don't even think they're going to be playing in the in the conference championship game again. Uh, and I think West Virginia will be the better team, and I think we can pull it off at home uh, against the Sooners in a high-scoring affair, though. And I agree. We we do it. We do it. We get it done. Monkey off the back. And in my ideal scenario here that I – well, I guess it's not ideal. Ideal would be all Ws. But in my dreamland scenario I've got going here, we beat Texas and Oklahoma on their way out. I think this will be their last year. Sign are there in the SEC next year. But I think we get it done at home, and that's going to be a game that you're going to want to be at. And this, that's, you know, that's the reason I wanted to say that I wasn't confident in my picks because, you know, as where the losses felt. Because in my heart, I truly believe that we will beat them this year. But yeah, I think, I can't say I think this is the best chance up. in a long time. Yeah, I, I can't, I got I can't a little say that last year and then make myself a liar this year. I almost picked it, but I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. So, two games left. The next one will be back home for Senior Day, Saturday, November nineteenth, against the Kansas State Wildcats. And this was one I went back and forth on as well because I got West Virginia and Kansas State kind of very similar teams this year. I actually have them both finishing with the same record when I went through and made these predictions. So whoever you know winning this game would finish a little bit higher in the conference standings with them both having the same record, you know, the way I went through it. But I think it being senior day gives the Mountaineers an advantage. And I think being in Morgantown on senior day is enough for the Mountaineers to pull out a win over a sneaky good Kansas State team that could be the surprise of the Big 12 possibly, I think. But I got the Mountaineers sneaking out the W over them. Yeah, I think uh, a senior day in Morgantown, um, you know, I, and then, you know, in my, the way I've got it going, you know, they're coming off of a loss to Oklahoma. I think that, you know, with the way that Oklahoma's going to be playing this year, that's going to be considered a bad loss. And I think that, you know, with the way that everything could possibly look at that point in time, you're still looking at a potential shot at the Big 12 championship game. So I think that West Virginia's going to come into Morgantown, or, you know, we're going to come into our own stadium that day, ready up and fired up. Um, and I think the West Virginia takes takes that one that day against Kansas State. And I think Kansas State's going to be a good football team this year. I picked them to finish fourth. Yeah. Um, Looking at this, like Jordan said, you got one that you win that you shouldn't win, and you got one that you lose that you shouldn't lose, and that's going to be my game here. I think that um, even though it is senior day, I think that this is just one of those games where it just doesn't feel right to me. It just – I, just something about it is it's it's one of those moments where it just feels like the Mountaineers just like let one slip. Yeah, you know, you get caught up, you just beat Oklahoma, you're talking about competing for the Big 12 championship, and you're looking, you know, you got to go down to Stillwater the week after that. So it's one that could really sneak up on you, and I think that that's what's going to happen. Um, if Neil Brown wants to convince me that he's changed the Mountaineer athletics for a better and are sticking on us a trajectory that we haven't seen before, he wins this game. Um, he, he wins this game. I'll. I, if things go to my storyline, he wins this game, then um, Neil Brown's doing something special in Morgantown. But until that moment that I know Neil Brown can do that, I think that this is a game where we let one slip, and I see us swallowing to KSU in a real close game. Yeah, I'm really high on Kansas State. Uh, I think they might be uh, competing for a Big 12 crown at the end of the year. I'm, uh, I just I really like them. My gut tells me they might be the argument other than Baylor, might be the next best team in the conference. And uh, they have a lot of pieces back. And I think Adrian Martinez is going to have a chip on his shoulder. 
and he's going to play like a man possessed this year. Uh, and I think Kansas State, unfortunately, comes into Morgantown and upsets the Mountaineers. I, well, I don't know if it'll be an upset, but beats them at home. So I guess you could say it'd be an upset and yeah. uh, spoils their senior day, unfortunately. Um, I see this, and I'm looking around. This is only the second time we have a back-to-back at home all year other than Kansas Towson. So, you know, we're, we're rested. This is three out of four games at home. And senior night, I, I, I like this as a, a win. Another, we get on a little a streak. I guess it's only two for me, but I, I think this is a, a winnable game late in the season. Who knows what rosters might look like at this point, but I I think this is a win. Okay. I like it, so... Um, pretty much uh, split there. Three wins, two losses um, against Kansas State. Uh, final game of the season now for the Mountaineers. Got to go on the road to Stillwater. And this is a team that I guess I'm kind of the opposite of most everyone around the nation and, you know, that, that looks at this and is looking at the Big 12 trying to predict it because everyone else seems to be really high on Baylor and thinking Oklahoma State's going to take a step back. And me, I kind of see it the opposite. I'm still really high on Oklahoma State. I love Mike Gundy. I think they're going to have a great team. They're my uh, favorite and my, you know, number one team in the in the conference for 2022. Um, is you know, you saw Stephen and Brad saw in my Big 12 preview. I, I had them number one in my in my little poll there. So I'm pretty high on them, and I think it's going to be tough for the Mountaineers to win against them. The way they've built that up. I know they lost Jim Knowles, but they replaced him with Derek Mason, who's a great defensive coach as well. I think the defense will be good. They've got the one returning quarterback and Spencer Sanders in the conference. I think they'll have enough offense to get it done. I like Oklahoma State a lot. Unfortunately, the last game of the season for the Mountaineers is going to be a loss for me, and I've got the Mountaineers finishing at eight and four. Yeah, I'm actually one of the the part of the everybody that you spoke of, and I think that uh, I think that Oklahoma is going to take a step back this year. I think that you know Spencer Sanders has, if anything, he's regressed instead of progressed. That you know his his time over there in Stillwater, and I don't expect that to get any better this year. Um, the kids seem to throw interceptions. <laughs> You know, like it's a faucet water running. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he just can't seem to get it on target. Um, I think that West Virginia is going to have a tough time out there, but with the hype around the game, and I'm not trying to be too much of a homer, but I really think with the the momentum that West Virginia is building up towards the last part of the season, right there, paired with the fact that I think you know Neil Brown really wants a, a win against the Oklahoma school, um, so I. I think that um, that might get West Virginia the win in the last game of the season, and and put West Virginia in a really really good shot to be to be in that Big Twelve championship game. Yeah, so I got WVU going into Stillwater playing, you know, for the upset I, uh, to play spoiler. Sorry for the Big Twelve championship. I think that it's going to be between. Um, I actually think that the Big Twelve championship is going to be between Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oklahoma State. And I think that we're going to be trying to play some spoiler for that. And it's just one of those ones. I think that after a loss to Kansas State, I just don't know if we get our stuff back together to be able to walk down into Stillwater and come out with a W. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have us drop our last two games of the season and uh, closing the game in Stillwater. This was one of the hardest ones to pick for me um, because West Virginia has always seemed to have a hard time with Oklahoma State for whatever reason. Uh, but Oklahoma State is losing nine out of their 11 starters on defense this year. And I don't think 
they're going to be as good as people are advertising. So I do think this is a year that West Virginia can go into Stillwater and get a win, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not real confident in it. But I'm picking them to win this one and uh, finishing the season at eight and four, six and three in conference. I like it. See, I have us coming in six and two in the conference at this point. So this would be almost a de facto playing game to the championship potentially with Oklahoma State. But I don't think we're quite there yet. I think Oklahoma State gets us once again, especially in their house. But I think it'll be we're gonna lay it all out there. Okay, so roundabout way, but a lot of us end up in this in the same place. <laughs> Actually, final records. I've got the Mountaineers predicted to finish eight and four. Coos also with the Mountaineers at eight and four. Bradley with the Mountaineers at eight and four. Ryder with the Mountaineers at eight and four. And Steven ends up with the uh, highest record prediction. The Mountaineers at nine and three. We're going to get into some wow. over unders and stat predictions, super superlatives here in a second. Uh, Coos, I know your time's limited, man. I know you got to duck out before too long. Uh, so for you, I don't know whenever, whenever you got to do it, go ahead. That's you know that's fine, I understand or whatever. But before you do, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, uh, plug your stuff, man. I know most people that follow us probably already follow you, but you know just in case if somebody's listening to our podcast and hasn't. Uh, found you you know they're, they're missing out for sure but tell them where they can find you and a little bit about your youtube channel and stuff i'm on the uh, kuzis corner on on youtube uh, obviously i cover west virginia but i cover um, i'd also cover a lot of big 12 stuff a lot of conference realignment stuff any, any national storylines pertaining to college football we'll do a little bit of college basketball um once we get closer to the season probably but uh and that's uh, that's pretty much all west virginia related uh I'm also on some podcast platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple, all the major platforms. Uh, not as active there as I am on YouTube, though, so if you want to find me, YouTube's probably the easiest platform to find me. And I'm on Twitter at Coos206. Awesome. Really appreciate you coming on and yeah, joining man. us for the Prediction Roundtable again, Coos. Yeah, so, absolutely. So yeah, if, you see me, if you see me drop off just at the spur of the moment, it's I may have to roll soon. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I stay. I'll hang on here as long as I can. Yeah. I know how that goes. Yeah, we'll take you as long gonna, as I can I'm going to – yeah, that's what I say. Any, any, any's better than none, right? Where do we each think West Virginia will finish in the Big 12 standings? Um, my prediction um, ended up, I went through it. I got the Mountaineers finishing fourth in conference. I have them and Kansas State, both eight and four, but I got Mountaineers winning in the head-to-head, so I got them fourth, Kansas State fifth, uh, Baylor sixth, as I said, not very high on them. Oklahoma third. Texas second and Oklahoma State first in, in my kind of predictions. When I went through it, I had Oklahoma State 11 and 1. Texas and Oklahoma both 10 and 2, but Texas beating Oklahoma to get the tiebreaker there. So I got the Mountaineers fourth in the Big 12 is what I'm predicting for this season. Uh, Steven? Uh, actually, kind of a similar situation, just with a little bit different inserts here and there. Uh, I've got West Virginia either finishing or tied for second in the conference. Um, I, I think that they're going to end up. Um, they're going to end up with two losses in conference, and I think that'll be equivalent with Texas. And and likewise, like you, um, I think that the different or the uh, the tiebreaker with with that game with Texas, I had them winning that one, so I I put West Virginia ahead of them to play in the Big Twelve championship game. Yeah, I've got a I've got WVU sitting right there at four. I think that that's a pretty solid place, and I think the four through six, four through seven are going to be really interchangeable, and it's really just going to determine how it kind of lies elsewhere, but I definitely see us uh, sitting comfortably at fourth. 
I've got Baylor and Oklahoma State again back in the top two, and I've got Oklahoma sitting there at third. Even though we did beat Oklahoma, I think that we're going to steal one from Oklahoma. I think that they're actually going to be pretty good. I've got some faith in Brent Venderbles. Uh, I know a lot of people say they're going to take a step back, but I think that they've just got a lot of talent, and I think that guy knows how to run a, a, a well team, even though this is his uh, shot at head coaching after stepping up from Clemson. But, uh, yeah, I have us sitting there at fourth, and, you know, may the rest of them shake out how they shake out. Yeah, I've got us based on a record of six and three in conference last year. That would have put us at third in the conference. Uh, there's going to be a lot of parity, so that six and three record could be third, it could be fourth, it could be fifth. I mean, who knows? But I think we're going to land somewhere in the third or fourth, third or fourth range, probably. Uh, if I had to pick, I'd probably say fourth at this point in time. And yeah, I, the fourth one to put us in fourth. I think that's about where we are. I've got the same top four as Bradley as well. I think we do steal one from Oklahoma, and they end up on the outside looking in, and it'll be Baylor and Oklahoma State fighting it out in the end. I like it. I like it. So all of us have the Mountaineers in the top half of the conference, so that's good to see. Uh, future's bright, hopefully, for this season. I think we're all kind of looking at it that way, so that's good. And then next thing uh, I wanted to – I had to throw this one in here since Coos is here and he covers college football – you know, around the nation, you know, more than we do, you know, more of a focus on West Virginia for us, a little bit of Big 12, but mainly just the Mountaineers. But I figured, uh, what about our predictions for the four college football playoff teams this year? I'll kick it off for me. Um, Alabama and Ohio State, I think, are the obvious ones. And then I got Clemson. I think they're going to bounce back. Fourth, um, you know, SEC tends to get two teams in there. But this year, I think the SEC East is going to beat up on each other a little bit. So I don't have that second SEC team in there, my fourth team. I'm going. I'm going with Utah. I like Utah's team this year. I like wow. that pick. I like the Utah pick. Um, I've got Boise State, BYU. No, I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got. I've got Alabama. I've got Ohio State. Which you, of course, said that are the obvious ones, but I've actually got Georgia in there um, again this year, and I think um, Alabama is going to end up getting a redemption game against those guys. Um, and I, I think both of those teams are obviously going to be very good football teams this year. But I think that, um, you know, if Georgia ends up with with even a similar record as they did last year and Alabama does too, I don't think that the media or the committee is going to let that one slide. Then you know that they're going to put both of those teams in there before the likes of, you know, someone else. Uh, but for that fourth team, um, I'm, I'm riding – Super, super high on the Baylor Bears this year, gentlemen. I'm going to put them as that fourth spot this year, and I think that they're—I wow. don't know if they'll win that game. I think that um, I think Ohio State probably edges them out to go to the national championship, but I think that, that Baylor has a really good shot to go to the college football playoff this year. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm gonna—I'm actually going to be kind of similar to that. I definitely think it's going to be Alabama, without a doubt. It's kind of hard to not pick them to go in. Um, right next to them, got to have Ohio State because they're just going to be really good this year. Um, after that, I'm going to have Clemson in there with Jordan. I think that Clemson's going to have a bit of a bounce back this year. I don't think the ACC is going to be on top. I think that Pitt's going to crumble after losing to us first game of the year. Um, and I might derail their season a little bit, uh, put them back to the Pitt standard. And uh, right there at the end, I think I'm going to actually put in the Big 12 championship winner. I don't know if that's going to be Baylor or Oklahoma State, but I think that one of them is going to have that shot to get in there and squeeze in at that fourth spot. Okay. I've got – the two obvious Alabama, Ohio State. I think Alabama may end up with one of the best teams we've ever seen this year. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, I, they may be next to unbeatable, but uh, I think Georgia will also get back because they're just reloading with talent. 
And uh, for my fourth team, this was a hard one for me. Uh, I've been wa- going back and forth. I've, most people I've been talking to, I've been saying Utah. But I just really, I'm like Steven, man. I feel really, really good about Baylor. I think they're going to be, I think Dave Aranda uh, may be a superstar coach in the making. And their whole athletic program is just top-notch right now with uh, Mac Rhodes there and they're just all they're they're bought in to athletics and they're doing everything that, that has to be done to be good. And uh, I think at least they I think they finally break through and get that fourth spot in the, in the college football playoff. I much like everyone else will will start off with, with Bama, but I do not have Ohio State going in. I don't think Michigan's ready to give it up yet, and I think they're gonna go a little back to back, get in there. Probably get embarrassed again, but hey, you know, they're going to get in. I also have Georgia making it back. And then what I thought was going to be a little surprise, maybe in the beginning, uh, not so much anymore. I did consider getting Baylor, Oklahoma State in there, but I think we're going to cannibalize each other just a little too much, and Utah is going to sneak in. I like it. Uh, the only other uh, one picking the, the West Coast team. I struggled right. with that fourth team. I thought about going Oklahoma State uh, for my fourth one, but I just, I don't know, 11 and 1. That's what I got them at. They might get in with that, but who knows? I think that the top three or so of the Big 12 might all beat each other, and that kind of going to disqualify the Big 12 probably. So um, it's either probably, you know, second team for the SEC or, or the Pac 12 that you're looking at then. So definitely, I think all those picks are very. Very possible from uh, each one of us. But going back, and let's get back to a little bit more WVU-centric uh, stuff. We'll get into some over-unders and stat predictions momentarily. But I figured p- position battle predictions would be a good thing to do since West Virginia, you know, it's time of recording this. Just wrapped up the first week of fall camp. Uh, got another scrimmage coming up. Of course, they'll already have that scrimmage in the books by the time you guys are hearing this or, or watching this. But um, hopefully we'll start to get some, see some light shed on these position battles. I went with kind of the main ones that I think really stand out to me. And the first one kicking that off is backup quarterback. Um, Garrett Green, Goose Crowder, Nico Marchiol. I think we all can probably agree JT Daniels is inevitably going to be named the starter. So as far as the backup quarterback, I'm going to go Garrett Green. I just think that he's, you know, they talked about him a lot in the spring been talking about it more in fall camp, and I think we're going to see him maybe have some packages in the offense anyways. So, to me, he's kind of the de facto, I guess, uh, backup quarterback there. Yeah, I have to agree. And if you would have told me, if, you know, you'd asked me in the springtime, I might have said, I might have said Goose. You know, he looked really good in the spring game. He he made a, re- a lot of really good-looking passes. And, you know, at times he looked good with running the ball as well. Uh, but I, there's just so many – clips I've already seen of Garrett Green um, in this fall camp of I, that is he's probably going to be the best backup we've had maybe ever you know in regards to Pat White whenever he played as a backup um, I will say that this backup quarterback posi- competition I'm, I, I'd be willing to bet that it's probably the most talented backup quarterback battle that we've ever had at West Virginia University. I'd be very confident in putting my money on that. But I'm picking Garrett Green. Yeah. I, I My heart tells me that I want to go with Nico, but I just keep coming back to Neil Brown saying that you don't want to play a quarterback before they're ready to play. And I think that that's the only thing that's going to keep me off of putting Nico at second because they've been talking to him up. They've been saying that he's doing doing the right things, and JT Daniels is taking him under his wing, which just makes you 
um, want to pick him there. But I think that when it came down to it, if something ever happened to JT Daniels, I don't think we're going to see Nico be the first person to come in. Do I think he could win that battle? I, you know, um, if something ever did happen to JT Daniels, I think that Neil Brown would let them try to like duke it out a little bit. But uh, off of that, though, I do think that Garrett Green would get the nod. I think, you know, JT Daniels goes down, the person we're seeing come trotting onto the field was Garrett Green. Yeah, I'm similar to Bradley, I guess. I think I, I am picking Garrett Green. I think it's, uh, I think, I think Garrett Goose and Nico are probably pretty close uh, as far as their talent level, ability level, and all of that. So I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to experience. He's been here the longest. He knows the offense probably better than anybody else of, of the three. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going because of his experience. I'm picking Garrett Green. And I'm, I'm also going to be picking Garrett Green in this instance. Uh, I do want to see some Nico, though. I mean, he can play up to four games, so uh, maybe a little late Kansas, hopefully, if we, we do what we should, a little maybe the entire second half for Towson, you know, something like that. I'd like to see him get in there, but I don't think he's enough to be the backup. I think that, that puts him at third string. And then props to, to Goose for sticking around and, going into the competition with everybody uh, he, when he didn't have to, when the portal is right there for everybody to take. Um, so I, I do still think Garrett Green takes the back of duties. Right, clean sweep for uh, GG, Garrett Green there. Um, all of us thinking that he's going to end up as, as the backup. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Coos had, to, had to dip out. Of course, we knew, uh, knew his time, time was limited, but uh, glad, glad that Coos got to join us. Like I said, if you're not following him, I'm sure if you follow us, you probably already follow Kuz's Corner, but check it out on YouTube. Uh, great content for your college football fan, if you're a WVU fan. Either one, uh, some of the best college sports content coverage on YouTube, I think, comes from Kuz's Corner, so check him out there. And uh, follow him on Twitter. I believe it's at Kuz206, he said, so uh, mm-hmm. check him out there as well. And then it's, uh, he does put stuff out on podcast platforms just like we do, so check him out on all the plat- same platforms you find us on if you're listening on the audio side, but Continuing with our position content. battle predictions, a uh, lot of great content. That's my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite follows is, is Coos for sure. So can't say that enough. But continuing on with our position battle predictions, um, like I said, the two most crucial ones to me, I think, are these two. So that's why I definitely wanted to include them and starting with those ones on offense, ones on defense. The one on offense, I think, is right tackle. I think your offensive line is really solidified with the four guys that you have from left guard from left tackle to right guard, excuse me. And I think that the – I don't want to say the weak link because I don't think it's the weak link, but it's the, the undecided position and the one guy that is maybe not a stud. I think the other four guys are probably like, you know, studs. This this more of a developmental trying to find someone that's still coming along in the program. And the two guys battling out are Brandon Yates and Jaquay Hubbard who transferred in last year from Virginia – I think this is a neck-and-neck battle. They've been going back and forth in fall camp. Um, I'm still sticking with Brandon Yates, though. I think maybe the experience helps him. I think he's really you know, going to mold into a good player, but he just needs to keep getting more experience, getting more reps. May take some lumps, maybe a little bit uh, stuff that you have to deal with there with that along the way. But I think ultimately it's going to pay off in the end with this offensive line staying together. And you know He played with them last season, so I think that continues. I'm going with Brandon Yates here at right tackle. Yeah, I'm not going to waste a lot of time on that because of a lot of the reasons that you cited as well. Um, experience being the main thing. I picked Brandon Yates as well. But I don't think that you 
can go wrong with with whoever wins this job. I think obviously whoever doesn't win the job is still going to have a significant amount of playing time throughout the season uh, because our offensive line, you know, has some pieces that, you know, are like puzzle pieces in a way <clears throat> and they move around and they change. You know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think the experience level all around on our offensive line is going to be a positive this year. And I think as bad as they were last year, I think they make a lot of vast improvements this year to make progression. And I think they'll be a good a good unit all around. But I think that Brandon Yates um, wins that job in particular. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually going to disagree. I, I think Brandon Yates has had his chance, and I just have not seen that much progression from him since he's been playing. So I really want to see uh, Jaquay Hubbard. I think that he's been making the right strides. He's been getting a lot of hype up from the coaches. I think that he's just been lacking on consistency. But you talk about a man where the coaches have just preached about him changing his body type and going out there and competing and um, you know giving it his shot. And I, I think that Jaquay Hubbard is going to be the man um, – if not the first game of the season, then definitely within the first uh, first four. I believe it'll still be Brandon Yates, but it's going to be a short leash probably either way. It's just there's another guy right here waiting. Don't don't mess this up. So I, I think I could easily see Jaquay, like you say, like within the first four games, but I'm sticking Yates for now. Yeah, and it's definitely got to be a super short leash considering you've got an injury prone quarterback. Like you can't, you can't take risks, man. You just can't. Yeah. I agree. I definitely let's think. Let's hope, let's hope that that's not an time. issue this year. By the way, you know, I think that that you know, I don't mean to cut you off, Cruz. I didn't mean to do that. <clears throat> no, just, you're, you're good. Go ahead. There's just one thing that, and it's on my mind too. It's not that I'm I'm harping on anyone in the fan base for thinking this, but like the whole thing with. JT Daniels being injury prone. I just, you know, I mean, I don't want to go into it with, and it might be me in my manifestation mindset. I don't want to, you know, think in a pot in a negative way to where it happens, I guess, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to be more positive mindset to where, you know, JT has been through his injury battles and he's been through rehab and things like that. And hopefully, you know, that growth and, and the growth that especially that Neil Brown has talked about, and I know that we've learned not to li- listen so much to, to to Neil Brown, but I think that that growth can help a player really progress. And, and you know, I know injuries aren't always, if not ever, you know, something that are planned or, you know, something like that. But I think that players can do things to to help them stay healthier throughout the season. And I know that one thing that they've talked about a lot this year is is the, uh, you know, Mike Joseph in the strength and conditioning room and having players have their nutrition right throughout the season instead of, you know, seeing players have a, a bulk up at the beginning of the season and be healthy looking and then throughout the season deteriorate. And I think that that's one thing that I really like that I've heard out of a lot of guys is the longevity that they're trying to get out of these guys throughout the season. And so for that reason, I'm really hoping – that the injury, you know, is, the injuries aren't an issue with with JT Daniels in particular, but but anyone for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's been a positive um, so far up to this point in the season. No big injuries in fall camp. That's one of the you know things you hope to continue. You know, knock on wood. At the time we're recording this, hopefully by the time you guys are listening to it and viewing it. That's still true, but I, I think you have, make a great point, Stephen, and I think they're really striving 
to do that. And I think that we've seen, you know, under the Neil Brown regime, it'd be better than it was towards the end of the Dana Holgerson regime. Because I think it was 2018 or 2017, we lost, what, six or seven linebackers to torn ACLs, knee injuries, whatever, because we were playing walk-ons and converted safeties. Yeah, we were just using insert pieces at that point. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's definitely gotten better, and hopefully that that continues. Definitely think we could see both Brandon Yates and Jaquay Hubbard play at the right tackle position. And then our final position battle we want to predict here, and that's the most crucial one on defense, I feel like. And to me, that's the spot that is the second cornerback or the cornerback on the opposite side of um, Charles Woods, whatever you want to call it. And the three guys that are looking out there are the young one, Andrew Wilson-Lamp, who was here in the spring, came in as a receiver, recruit a few years ago, moved to corner. Redshirt had been in the program you know, a couple years or so now. Really high on him. He's one of the faster guys on the team. And then you got the two transfers, Rashad Ajayi, who came in from Colorado State, and Wesley McCormick, who came in from James Madison, both with a lot of experience. Both pretty highly graded corners are by PFF. I think, you know, this is a position battle prediction that we're going to predict who starts the season, you know, winning this battle. So to me, I think you're going on the road to Pitt to play one of your rivals in a sold-out stadium. You're going to want a little bit of experience. So I don't think Wilson Lamp will be the one to start the season, even though he may come on as the season progresses. So to me, it's between Ajayi and McCormick. And I'm leaning toward Rashad Ajayi. I've heard a lot of good things about him so far in fall camp. So I'm going Rashad Ajayi here at the second cornerback. Yeah, I might as well. I might as well just sit this one out because pretty much everything that I had written down that I was going to say about about that position battle is what Cruz just cited just now. I'm going to sound like a broken record on this one, but yeah, I I don't think that they're going to go with any. I really I like Adrian Wilson Lamp. I do. I like what I've seen out of him in the in the spring. Um, I heard a lot of good things about him in the spring, Uh, but but like you said, I don't think that they're going to go with inexperience over experience at a position so you know so pivotal and in such a pivotal game at that um and then to be thrown into the fire at such a young stage in your career i just don't see that happening um and i've i've heard things every single day that i listen to coaches i hear things rashad ajai's name comes up at least once uh during that press conference so you know i I keep hearing a lot of good things about rashad ajai so i think that's probably who i'm going to be picking for that one but i think that wesley mccormick i mean obviously these guys are probably going to see some action throughout the year um, but I don't, I don't know that I'm so confident that that person that wins that starting job for game one also has that starting job for game three or four. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's just on repeat because uh, I think that that's just kind of how it's just going to go into this. And I, I just want to reiterate that I think that Andrew Wilson Lamp's got the highest potential out of all three of those players, and that's saying a lot. Guy looked really good during the spring game, so I hope. I think we might even see him start later on towards the middle of the season, later on in the season. But I think first game, we're not seeing him walk out in the starting lineup. Yeah, echoing, echo, echo, echo. <laughs> Mike works. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do really like – I want Wilson Lamp to work because, I mean, you like a guy with three names, crowd pleaser. Uh, Lamp has a lot of potential, you know, lights out. Yeah, I, I love lamp. I, I love lamp. I love lamp. That's, that's the first thing that came. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. So. <laughs> but it'll probably be a Jai game one. I like it. So all kind of in agreement there seems like, and we all seem to love the potential of Andrew Wilson lamp. So that bodes well for the future of Mountaineer football on the defensive side. But um, speaking of the future, 
Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the future with our stat predictions now. They're a little over under, a little bit of uh, stat predictions, offense, a little bit of stat predictions, defense. Starting it off right now uh, with the man that we all were really excited about to get, and that is the first, you know, former five-star quarterback that will be suited up for the Mountaineers this fall, JT Daniels. And the over-under is here, and I set the over-under 32.50 in passing yards, over-under um, 3,250. The reason I chose that number is because uh, last season, Jared Dagey threw for just over 3,000. Will Greer, when he came in as a highly rated, highly regarded transfer in an air raid style offense, ended up throwing for 3,400 and some change in 2017. Of course, 2018 threw for more, but 3,400 and some change. So last year, Daggy 3,000, 2017 Greer 3,400, kind of split the difference between those two. Came up with 3,250 for JT Daniels. And I'm going to ask you guys over or under. I'll kick it off first. I'm going over, boys. I think he's, I think he's going over, and I think he's up around 3,500 maybe. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, as, as bad as Jerry Deggy was last year, he quietly threw for the second most passing yards in the Big 12 Conference. Um, so, you know, when you look at it on paper, you know, one might think that Jerry Deggy had a great season last year if you're just looking at certain numbers. Um, but, yeah, he, he threw for just over 3,000 yards, and I think that if you look at how our offense was last year, um, when it was very, very run-heavy in a sense, when then this year, you know, they want to have more of a quote-unquote balanced, balanced attack from what Graham Harrell talks about. Um, I think that even with that balanced attack, we're going to still be, you know, having vastly improved passing numbers. So for that reason, I think that I'm picking the over two. I think that West, I think the JT Daniels uh, rather will, will have around 3,500 yards, just like you Cruz. Um, I'm going to say bump it. It's going to be well over 3,250. I think JT Daniels is going to be hitting close to 3,800. I mean, maybe even tickling okay. that four range. Okay. Um, I really think, and I think that a good chunk of it is going to be yak, 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 yak. I think our wide receivers are set to have a big year. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that we're going to be torching people. I think because I also predicted a lot of shootouts this year. So, um, I definitely think that we are going to see finally some offense under Neil Brown. To me, this line screams, how many games do you think he plays? I think this is about nine that that puts him about like 360 a game which maybe maybe generous i'm going over too <laughs> he's going over okay to me so all, to all me you can't be hyped up as much on J, jt daniels if you don't pick the over on that stat right. you're not yeah. hyped up as a west virginia fan if you're not picking the over on that stat i wasn't going like, yeah, to say that got to but like if we like dumpster Towson in Kansas, he might only play half a game, you know. Yeah. So does that hurt? Well, him I, I was originally I wanted game? to set it at, I wanted to set it at thirty five hundred, but I felt like that's a little bit high, um, you know. But they're thirty two fifty. We're all taking the over, uh, thirty five hundred. It might be it might be a little bit different. And I think, like like Ryder said, you know, it's, it really depends on if you think he's going to stay healthy or not for the season. I think a healthy JT Daniels should throw for over that uh, in this Graham Harrell offense and. If if JT Daniels is healthy and probably doesn't make the over, it's probably not going to be as good of a season as we've all uh, predicted here, I'd guess to say. But uh, speaking of the people he'll be throwing to, how about some stat predictions for the receivers? We'll do these all kind of in one grouping here. Uh, let me know who you think is going to lead West Virginia in receiving yards and with how many. 
And then also, who's going to lead West Virginia in receptions and receiving touchdowns? For me, the leader in receiving yards, I think it's Bryce Ford Wheaton. I think he's going to have over 1,000. Um, I'm just going to say 1,000, you know, even right there on the cusp of it, or right, you know, maybe he ends up with like 980 and goes over in the bowl game. So I'm going with Bryce Ford Wheaton in yards. I think the person that leads us in receptions and the person that leads us in receiving touchdowns will be the same person as well. Not the same person that, that uh, leads us in uh, yards, but the same person will lead us in both receptions and receiving touchdowns. And uh, that's the man whose jersey's back here behind me. Sam James, my guy. I think he has the best year of his man. It's like you planned that. Yeah, I think um, See what I, I think there? on some of these you might want to let me go first, just for the sheer fact I'm not sounding like I'm copying you on a lot of things. But but um, <laughs> I think that um, BFW man, I think for him to to back out of the transfer portal last year and come back to this offense, it's not going to be because he wants to have a mediocre year or even a subpar year. Um, I think he's going to be coming out swinging and he's going to have a monstrous year. Uh, I think that. He's going to have – I don't think he's going to have quite as many yards as, as you do, Cruz. I think it's going to be somewhere between 700 and 800. Um, we'll call it 750 since we're doing even numbers. Uh, but I think he'll also re- lead us in receptions. However, I think uh, receiving touchdowns, I'm going to go with your boy over there, Sam James. Um, I think he's going to bounce back and have a really, really good year this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with who's going to lead the view in receiving yards, Caden Prather. Who's going to lead WVU okay. in receptions? Wow, okay. Sam James. Uh, yes. Also, Caden Prather with uh, uh, receiving yards, I think he's going to lead it with uh, – I think he's going to have like 800. I think they're going to be really spread out, and I think that he's just going to get that top right there a little bit. Um, receptions, who's going to lead us in receptions? I think it's going to be Sam James. Touchdowns, Caden Prather. Okay. I think that guy's going to blow up this year. I think it's coming. I think it's coming, and it's coming quick, and it's going to come – it's gonna it's gonna blow some people's minds. He's gonna be talked about. I hope so. Yeah, uh, I have it. I mean, as we've said, it's kind of between those three: BFW, Prather, Sam James. So I have BFW edging out in yards. I've got him just over at a thousand fifty. I'm gonna put Prather second, Sam James close third as well. Uh, I think receptions leader. I'll give it to Bryce Ford Wheaton as well. I just think he's going to be the guy that we need to go to when we're in a pinch. So I think he's going to end up with the most catches and then touchdowns. I'm riding the Prather train. I think he's going to he's going to get the most touchdowns. Nice. I do want to say that I think that our second leading receiver uh, receptions wise is going to be Reese Smith. Yeah, I think he's going to. I think he's going to break out. You're not high up on Bryce Ford Wheaton at all, are you, Brad? No, I just think no, I think that he's going to be um, low receptions, high yardage. So I think that he's going to be up there in yardage, but I don't think right. that he's going to have as many as Caden Brather. Yeah. And it's like yeah, I think gonna that he's going to have he's going to hit some deep balls. Yeah, and I just think that like Sam James is way more of a utility guy, where like you're throwing to him deep, you're throwing to him shallow. He's going to be getting a lot of yards after catch. And that's going to lead to a lot of receptions because just to me, receptions speaks. Uh, you know, who's your down distance guy? Who are you throwing it to on third down? And to me, on third down, I'm throwing it. First of all, probably to Reese Smith. I think that he's going to be our third down guy. But I think that, you know, just ahead of him is just going to be Sam James. That's actually a really good perspective. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about it in, in that way on how they're targeted throughout this. I mean, of course, I'm thinking about how they're targeted, but not so in-depthly on, on the crossing yeah. routes and such. But I think we'll be, we would be remiss as uh, Mountaineer fans and not homers enough if we 
if we did not mention Preston Fox's name on this podcast, I think that at some facet, in some way, we need to see him on the field this year and see what he can at least, at least against Towson or Kansas, at least. I can see him getting like two, two or three targets a game. I yeah. can see him being no, I think I, 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 play. From sheer effort alone, I think that the kid deserves a shot. And I think that the fans will really have their uh, have the back of the coaches if they decided to put him out there. And I think it's mm-hmm. going to happen. I think I think especially early, while the you know the junior college guys are maybe still getting acclimated, Jeremiah Aaron and Cortez Bram. I think Preston Fox could definitely get some reps early in the season, and not to say that he won't later. But you know when those guys come on, I think that they're really talented and stuff, so they may you know rise above him in the depth chart. But I definitely think he'll play this season and could see some receptions. So Washington, you know, quietly has a pretty deep receiver room with a lot of talented guys there. Uh, the backfield. Not as much depth-wise, but definitely some talent there. Tony Mathis, Justin Johnson, Jalen Anderson, C.J. Donaldson. We talked about on our live stream on YouTube, moving there to running back. And, you know, going to play this season, apparently. So, Mountaineers do have some running backs. But the question now is, will West Virginia have a 1,000-yard rusher in 2022? And if so, who will it be? Letty Brown did it the past couple seasons for the Mountaineers. I think um, this is my hot take. I think Tony Mathis is better than Lady Brown. I'm going thousand yard rusher, Tony Mathis. Um, I'm I'm picking yes as well on that one. And I think that I don't know if I think that Tony Mathis is better than Lady Brown. I'm not so confident in saying that just yet. Um, I'm saying that he's gonna have a better offensive line than Lady Brown ever had while he was at West Virginia. And you know, I think that that's going to pay dividends. And as explosive as this offense, I'm picking this offense to be very, very good this year. Graham Harrell, I think, is gonna make all the difference in the world. Um, in terms of what we were trying to do on offense at West Virginia. Traditionally, we are an offensive-minded school, you could say, in football, in football, I guess. So I think that um, I think that the, the, the entire offense is going to look vastly improved this year, and I think our offensive line is going to make all the difference in the world for Tony Mathis. I, th- I think that he gets well over 1,000 yards. Well, not well over, but I think somewhere around 1,100 yards, maybe 1,200. Yeah, I would honestly probably almost stamp Jordan's idea that he's better than Letty Brown and Steven's idea, though. He has a better line than Letty Brown ever had. Um, Letty Brown was a good running back, but I think that Tony Mathis, in his time that we got to see him last year, he just looks special. And what you're seeing come out of the videos uh, of Summer Bowl so far, it just confirms that fact. I mean, he just looks like he's got the vision, the explosiveness, and the drive to make it work. Um, the reason why I'm going to say he doesn't hit a thousand yards though is because I think that we're going to be a really pass heavy offense. And so I think that he's not going to have to run as much. Um, I do think that he's going to have really high yards per carry, but I don't think that he's going to be hitting, um, a hundred yards every game, even though that doesn't bode well for, uh, well, I guess we can still get rushing yards elsewhere, but I think that he's going to be splitting some of his time with Justin Johnson. And, you know, I could see him hitting the 800 mark, 850, and I could see Justin Johnson probably hitting. 500 and I could probably see Garrett Green hitting in the three to 400 range too. So, you know, I think we're going to have plenty of running options. I just don't think Tony Mathis is going to hit that thousand yard mark. I also believe he's going to come just short. I'd say like 850 to 900 for a lot of the same reasons. I think Graham Harrell is coming in here and he's going to want to pass the ball. Like I had our receivers a little higher up in overall yardage. I think Mathis probably gets it all purpose. I think receiving and running, he probably eclipses it. But we're just a little too deep at, in the backfield. Uh, I, I think we'll share the love as we – I mean, even with Letty, we were sharing the love. So 
I don't think he quite gets there. I guess I'm just thinking about it. Um, a few weeks ago, if not, I think it was last week, Graham Harrell mentioned that he was like, you know, we want to pass the ball, but we also want to be very balanced. And, you know, he cited someone that he had at North Texas whenever, you know, they had the, their best athlete was a running back, but they also had athletes a receiver. And, you know, they really wanted to throw the ball because of the, you know, quote-unquote air raid, but you're not going to not give it to your best player. And I'm not saying Tony Mathis is our best player on offense, but if Tony Mathis is that good of an athlete and, you know, you're going into games – where they're picking off the, you know, the passing game left and right, then I just wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine that they would shy away from the run game. And, and like you guys say, I'm trying not to feed into so much of the video aspect on in summer ball, because I feel like that's what gets me too drawn into to overhyping, and I'm probably already too overhyped with my my <laughs> nine and three prediction. But, but, you know, I'm, I want to see a little bit more out of Tony Mathis, but I really, I'm, I'm, I'm really confident on how balanced I think that they'll be this year because I don't think that they want to bite so much on on the passing game. I think that the the passing game is going to be very good and it's going to be electric, but I I just think that it's going to be a more balanced attack than a just sheer air raid attack. Yeah. I think what my thing is it is that where I said that he's going to have a lot of yards for carry. I think just like the threat of that is what's going to help out that balance is the fact that, you know, we're going to pass it, you know, maybe 65% of the time, but that 45% of the time we want to run the ball, we're going to get yardage. And just like that simple threat, you know, the 35%, you know, just like that threat that when we run it, we're going to get yards is going to be enough to like get people to not, uh, you know, step back and try to pick up, you know, sit on our pass routes when they know that we can break out a run long run at any point in time. Yeah, well, that's another thing I didn't think of too. Is you know Neil Brown said time and time again that that's the, if not the main emphasis that they've had this off season is that they want to, you know, they want to run the ball better against the top teams in our conference. They said that yeah. I've heard that so many times this off season. So mm-hmm. I really I look for the run game to be so much improved that it's going to be almost like we're watching a completely different football team because I think that you know with the amount of emphasis that, that they've put on that. You know, we want to be able to run the ball when they know we're running the ball and still be effective. Yeah, it's almost like we're going to be so – like we could carry – I think that we want to be to the point where we're so good at running the ball that we don't have to do it. You know, we could carry a game running the ball if we need to. Like we absolutely have the line and the power and the drive and the running backs to do it. And just that threat alone was going to allow us to pass the ball more. You see what I'm saying? So, like, that's just like my opinion going into it. I think we're going to find out real quick with Pitt having a top returning defensive line as our first matchup. Well, we're going to know a lot early. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Great point. I think that it seems like we're all pretty high on on Tony Mathis and and the backfield, the running game. I think we'll be, we'll be good. And to me, I think, I think it could be a good formula for West Virginia with the strong defense they've had in recent years that possibly, not not saying you don't run early, but possibly, you know, use your high-powered attack, your offense, you know, throw it into a, a fast gear and use your passing offense to get ahead early and then rely on your run game and defense to hold on to leads. Could be a winning formula for West Virginia this season potentially. So hopefully that, that holds true and, and we'll see what happens with the run game. But uh, flipping over, let's talk about some defensive superlative predictions. Uh, for time's sake, I figured we could just group all three of these together. We're going to all say our leading tackler, who we think our leading tackler will be in 2022, who we think will lead the team in sacks in 2022, and who we think will lead the team in interceptions in 2022. 
For me, I think the leading tackler is going to be the man in the middle, the Mike linebacker, the one they've been raving about, Lee Koba, for my leader in sacks. I think it's the man that came back for a reason to make a statement, and that's Dante Stills. And for my leader in interceptions, I think it's going to be the best corner that West Virginia has had since Rasul Douglas, and I think he may have a year similar to Rasul Douglas had his senior year that ended him up as a draft pick, and that is Charles Woods. Well, I thought that the uh, the, the first part of that pick on mine was going to be a little bit of a surprise, but I also went Lee Koba because you guys know that I'm very high up on my guy. Um, I think that, that honestly, Lee Koba has the potential to be one of my favorite players to ever dress up in the golden blue. Uh, with the energy that he brings at that position. Um, I just think that he's going to be a phenomenal uh, player to to fill that position and for where we lost Josh Chandler Samito last year because I was really up on high up on him as well. Um, uh, I don't know how you could shy away from going with Dante Stills in the sacks uh, because, like you said, he came back for a reason, and I think that he is he's hyped up. You can tell with his attitude and his demeanor with things. He is ready and eager to make – a statement this year, and I think that he's going to do that. Um, with interceptions, um, I, I think that Charles Woods, uh, you know, Cruz said it a minute ago, I think that he is going to be one of the best cornerbacks to dress up in the golden blue for a long time, but I think that he is going to be one of the best cornerbacks. He might be potentially up in line to win um, a few awards this season. Um, and I really I've, I, I haven't heard anything that negates that. Or, or shies away from that at all. Everything I keep hearing is just emphasizing that fact and strengthening that statement. Um, Charles Woods is going to be a special player that we have on defense this year, and I, I look for him to lead those lead us in interceptions. Yeah, and you know I'm, I'm going to agree with most of those. Honestly, uh, I think without a doubt, Lee Pogba just the, just in the nature of the position is going to put him up to more tackles. Um, Sacks leader, I am going to go a little different. I think Dante is going to have high sacks up there, but I also think that he's going to be focused by a lot of offenses and he's going to be demanding a lot of double teams. And I think he's still going to get his, without a doubt. Dante still is still, still going to get his. But I'm going to go a little off the wall here and say Jared Bartlett. I'm going to say he leads our teams in sacks this year. The guy looked really explosive off the edge last year. And, you know, I really like the way he played. And when he goes out there and plays ears pinned back, I don't think there's many – better people getting to the quarterback that we have on our roster. So I think that Jarrett Bartlett's really got a chance to make his name in that position, and I'm excited to see him kind of excel there this year. I like that pick. Oh, and then Charles Woods, of course. I'm not even going to debate that one. <laughs> I was going to say he's just Check mark. That guy's, that guy's good. <laughs> that guy knows how to play football. Yeah, I'll also start by just saying it's going to be Charles Woods. I think that's the only way he doesn't is if people start to realize as much as we do that he's good and they just stop throwing the ball at him. But I still think he probably gets it because they're going to want to throw it to their best receiver in, in times mm-hmm. of need. Uh, I think Lee Koba also leads us in tackles. And I went a little even more ridiculous. I'm going Jordan Jefferson to lead us in sacks. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's just, just spicy. I, I really like. I liked him last year when he was he, he wasn't playing nearly as much, and he's just going to get his opportunity. And I, I think it's going to be a good time with our defensive line. Thank also, you. look for Sean right. Martin to have a big year this year. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully, has his coming to him up. I think so. I think it's starting to all click for him this year. They've been saying a lot of good things about him. Bottom in mm-hmm. fall camp, so uh, 
Last last thing we're going to do here is we're going to give our breakout players and our predictions for players of the year on both offense and defense. Um, that's how we'll kind of close it out here. But before we do that, wanted to take a second one more time. If you're watching on the video side on YouTube, hit that like button. That really helps this video's performance and will help our future videos' performances. If you're listening on the audio side, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, you name it. Um, if you're listening on Apple, leave us a rating. That helps. Just continue to share us around on the audio side. And then, again, on the YouTube side, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Helps us. Helps you. Helps get more of this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. And if you are subscribed, hit the notification bell beside the subscribe button. That'll send you notifications when we go live and things like that. Because occasionally we do do some YouTube exclusive things like live streams, you know, impromptu on their Q&A. Stuff like that that you can always get some good Mountaineer football content there from the Country Roads webcast. And then also, of course, one of the best ways to support us. As you can see, I'm wearing one of the T-shirts. Uh, our merch store, the link is in the video description down below if you're watching on YouTube. Also in the show notes if you're listening on the audio side. Get you a Country Roads webcast shirt, a hat. This is a Country Roads webcast hat also. Of course, you can't see it. I'm wearing it backwards. But you can get you a hat with the CRW logo. You know, any product with our faces on it, uh, you can get it there. And uh, we really appreciate the support and appreciate you for tuning in as long as you have here. The 2022 edition of the Season Prediction Roundtable. And really has been a great one and a fun one and excited uh, for this upcoming season. Maybe the best season prediction roundtable yet, but it's not over yet, gentlemen. We will close it out here. We'll do our breakout players and then our players of the year. Breakout player, offense and defense, we'll group them both together. Who are your players? You know, they can be newcomers or just someone that hasn't really had a ton of playing time yet that you think is going to break out this season in 2022. For me, my offensive breakout player, I'm going with Tony Mathis. You know, I talked about him a little bit earlier. I think he's really going to do some things. You know, it took me a long time to come around on him, but once I have, I'm all in on him. I, I think he's going to have a big season. He's my breakout player for the offense. Defense, I went back and forth through a, with a few players. Uh, Sean Martin that you named, Stephen, you know, he was almost my pick here. But the guy that I'm going with actually is another linebacker, one we haven't talked about, and that's Lance Dixon. This is a guy that was a top ten linebacker in the country coming out of high school. I think he's really going to be a stud. West Virginia's defense is going to be fast this year, and he's going to be one of the more athletic players on it. We talked about Lee Coba flying all around the field, but I think Lance Dixon will as well rack up a lot of tackles, some TFLs, and maybe even some interceptions. So my two breakout players for 2022, Tony Mathis on offense, Lance Dixon on defense. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to start off with defense just uh, for the sake of being different and, and just to kind of get it out of the way because – you know, I mentioned it earlier how how high I was on Lee Koba, and um, I'm picking him as my breakout player uh, because you know he's coming in to fill to fill this position. But I think that he's going to be he's going to swarm to the ball. I think that he's going to lead him in tackles, but I think that he's also going to to be in a lot of um, a lot of situations that are game changing situations. I think that he's going to be able to cause a lot of turnovers, get his head on the ball. Um, maybe you know, get a lot of forced fumbles. I think that he's going to have a pretty big year, especially for his first year in this defense. So for that reason, I picked him as my defensive breakout. Uh, on offense, I'm probably still in my my tech, my second two colleagues uh, answer here, but I'm going to go with Caden Prather. I also feel like he's going to have a pretty big year. I feel like I'm hearing a lot of good things out of him, um, and you know that that hasn't changed since the moment we we started recruiting this kid. And I think that the sky's the limit for him. I think that um, I hate to be 
talking in, in almost a cynical sense, but I hope that we can keep him um, out of the transfer portal and in a, in a golden blue uniform in his entire college career because I think that kid is going to be very, very special. And I don't think it's going to take um, all four years for him to get drafted into the league and be a valuable asset on someone's team up on that level as well. Yeah. So I'm taking Caden Prather. Yeah, without a doubt. My offensive player, breakout player of the year is going to be Caden Prather. Um, He's got potential to be one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen in the Golden Blue, and that's saying a lot. And especially with some of the supporting cast he's got coming on next year with Rodney Gallagher, the third coming up, we've got the chance to have some of the most – um, explosive wide receiver cores in the country, honestly. So um, definitely somebody, the guy to watch out for this year is going to be Caden Prather, number three, lockdown. KP3 is going to be going to be the answer this year. Um, on defense, I'm going to go a little bit, uh, a guy we haven't talked about yet, and I think that it's a guy that people are going to know his name pretty quick. Um, right now he's listed as second on the depth chart, which, you know, doesn't really shout breakout player. Maybe it does. But I'm going to go with a guy from North Dakota State. I'm going to go Jasir Cox. Um, I think that he's got the mentality he comes from the the brand that we want to build upon. And I think that he's going to really cement himself as an integral part of our team at that spirit position and really play that position to the best of the ability that we've yet to see it uh, yet to see under Neil Brown. So um, that's a guy that I definitely think that more people are going to take notice of him when they see him on the field. Yeah. Uh, offensive side, uh, following in the, the footsteps, Brad, Brad got me onto him early. Caden uh, Prather, this is this is going to be a coming out party. I think this is his time. Defense, I uh, picked him to lead us in sacks, so I think this is going to be where he breaks onto the scene. I think Jordan Jefferson is going to have a good year. Um, I also put a couple of transfers. I, I didn't know how to like if, if is it is it breaking out if you're a transfer. Mm-hmm. So Koba on defense would be a breakout. He'd be breaking out for us, I suppose. And then on offense, uh, Brian Palindi. I think he'll he'll be serviceable. As a, as a tight end, we might see a couple two tight end yeah. sets as well. Yeah, just Parker Grothaus, too, since we're talking about people that, you know, really should get recognized but did not yet. Good point. Good point. Good call out. I, I'd agree I with like that. I like the Brian Palende well. thing. I, that's a good backup choice. Runner up. Yeah, he's going to really help in the run game, I think, as well. It's, he's a good blocker. All right, so. Um, Last, but uh, certainly not least, uh, arguably saved the best for last, in my opinion. Our final superlative predictions are at the end of the season, 2022, when West Virginia is sitting 8-4, and four, since we all four predicted that, hopefully. Well, hopefully they're better no. than that. But No, we didn't. Um, no. I well, predicted 9-3. No, three. you're right. Yep, <laughs> no, you're right. Coos, Coos was the fourth one that predicted 8-4. and four. Steven, you were the 9-3. and three. My bad. You're, that's right. You're... You're drinking the Kool-Aid this year. I'm this year's Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I still had more anyway. percentage right than everybody else. Just, you know, bringing it up again. Yeah, technically win. Hey, well, but hopefully year, that means. What I was going to say is that at the, end, at the end of the season this year, um, you know, we always do like our season wrap-up show, but I think we're going to do a season prediction roundtable review show, like at the end of the season as well. I think that'd be fun. Go back over the see not only like who won like we did last year, we'll keep – up with that, probably on our on our video, you'll be able to see on the intro. I'll have graphics with you know how we're doing in that, but um, go through some of the superlative picks, and stat picks, and see how we did, and, or how bad we did, or you know whatever. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. But anyway, um, top two at the final superlative prediction end of the year, twenty twenty two. Who are you going to have as the players of the year? 
who's your player on offense for 2022, and who's your defensive player of the year for 2022 at the end of the season that you're predicting. For me, on offense, I'm going super obvious here, Captain Obvious, JT Daniels. I think if the Mountaineers are in for a good season, they need a healthy JT Daniels. And if it is a successful season, he's going to be a big reason why. So for me, JT Daniels is my prediction for Offensive Player of the Year in 2022. And then on the defensive side, a lot of ways you could go here. I think there's going to be some standout players. We've mentioned a lot of them. And one guy that we were all high on that we were talking about earlier, I think we all predicted him to lead the team in interceptions, Charles Woods is going to be my Defensive Player of the Year for 2022. And I think he'll have a shot, if my prediction stands right, to win the Big 12. Defensive Player of the Year as well. I think he's going to have that type of year. So, JT Daniels is my Offensive Player of the Year, and Charles Woods is my Defensive Player of the Year for 2022. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to echo the uh, the Offensive Player of the Year because I think that it's just it's too obvious not to go to if we have the kind of year that I think we're all thinking we're capable of. Uh, then JT Daniels is the pick to go to go with for the Offensive Player of the Year. Um, however, on the defensive side of the ball, I think that Charles Woods is going to have an electrifying year this year. And I think that I picked my pick more um, more emotionally based. But I think that, you know, Dante Steele's coming back for his senior season. Um, and, you know, the amount of work that he's put in, the amount of emotion that he's shown for just wanting to put on that uniform and play one more season. Uh, I think that he's going to have a season like we haven't seen out of a defensive lineman in quite some time, maybe since we – maybe since Bruce Irvin, um, completely different style of play. But uh, I think that we're going to see a pretty big year out of Dante. Um, I think that the, tab- the talent level for Dante, as much as we've seen, I don't think we've, we've seen its full potential yet. And I think that um, I think he's going to have a really special year for us, and I picked him to be my defensive player of the year. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to disagree on the offensive player of the year. And I don't think it's uh, even close, honestly. I think JT Daniels is good, but I think that there's one person, if you pull them out of this team, um, our team drops significantly in every single way. And I think that that's with the offensive center, Zach Frazier. I think that that man's just going to be the heart, the beat, the, the bass drum to our, our war song. And I think that he is really the man that has kind of brought this team together and is honestly one of the biggest reasons that our offensive line is going to take a big step forward this year. And I think without a doubt, he's got a chance to participate for first-team All-American honors this year. Definitely big 12 first-team honors. And I could see him um, definitely being an NFL pick one day. And I'm going to pick Zach Frazier as Offensive Player of the Year. I think that that man is um, probably one of the biggest pieces of our team as a whole. Um, defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Charles Woods. I think that he's, like Jordan said, he's got potential to be um, first team up there. He's going to win some awards. He's got a chance to be defensive player of the year for the Big 12. And uh, you just can't shirk on that, man. He's, he's got all the potential in the world, and I hope to see him take full advantage of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to the JT Daniels well. <laughs> I believe uh, Graham Harrell knows what to do with that man. Uh, and and. He's going to be a-okay. And then I, I will say that Charles Woods, yes. If they keep throwing it to him, he will make them remember, I probably shouldn't do that anymore. Love it. So great picks all around. Those are the players to watch for. 
uh, this year, in our opinion, whether they'll be breaking out or we think they could end up as the players of the year, as well as many other stat predictions, superlative predictions, and of course, our record predictions here on the Season Prediction Roundtable 2022 edition. Really appreciate you guys for tuning in or watching if you're watching here on the video side on YouTube. No, it's a little lengthy, but it always is. That's, you know, why the Season Prediction Roundtable is so special. It's a little bit different, a little bit different flavor, you know, not our traditional segments and just uh, predicting the West Virginia season all the way around and trying to get in deep with our predictions and uh, get in uh, not only the, through the schedule, but, you know, with some of these stats and stuff and, Give you guys some good uh, Mountaineer football content to chew on here in these final days of the offseason as we count down to game one against Pitt. I know the day that this episode releases will be 17 days away, so just over two weeks away almost there. That being said, be on the lookout in the future here. Coming along in those next 17 days will be our Backyard Brawl preview, uh, releasing that ahead of the Pitt game, so be sure and subscribe on YouTube and on the uh, podcast platforms if you're listening on the audio side. And look for our Backyard Brawl preview. That'll be the next episode that will be dropping here on the podcast, uh, official podcast, CRW, a proper side. But in the meantime, before that Backyard Brawl preview, we'll probably be releasing content on our YouTube, so make sure you're subscribed there. Some exclusive things coming down the pipe there. That being said, gentlemen, I think this has been a really great uh, 2022 edition of the Season Prediction Roundtable. Uh, Ryder, glad to see you uh, hop over from the CRW Hoop side and join us as a guest this year. Uh, any final thoughts uh, from you, Ryder, here as we close out this uh, episode? Uh, it was it was great being with the boys again and just chatting up the BBU sports. Uh, I, I am mainly on the basketball side. That'll be fun talking about basically an entire new roster, but really looking forward to football getting back on on some good playing field, you know? Just, just – uh, it's it's not the same when football's not as good, and I think yeah. it's time to turn that ship around. Well said, well said. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bradley, any final thoughts from you, sir? Yeah, no, it's been fun. It's been a blast. Glad we got Ryder and Kuz on here. Um, without a doubt, if WVU finishes eight and four, one of us got it right. I would hope. You know, so um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely, Hopefully definitely going to be a, actually right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I don't want Steven to be right. But yeah, I'll be right. I'll be right. Hey, yeah. I bet you we. I bet you we beat Towson. <laughs> bet you I'm right on that. I don't know. You could have somebody else, and they might say that we lose to Towson. So I swear to God, if we lose to fucking Towson now, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> Dev going three and nine. Anyway, that'd be some shit. Yeah. 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 No, it's been a fun one. I'm glad to get get back Absolutely. into the swing of things. Absolutely. Great edition of the season prediction roundtable, if I do say so myself. But uh, Stephen, what about you? Uh, anything you want to get off your chest here? Final thoughts before we uh, get ready to close out the 2022 edition of the season prediction roundtable. Uh, no, one thing I did want to add in is, uh, you know, we talked about our college football playoff picks earlier, and uh, I've got two sleepers uh, that I think have potential to maybe. Uh, to maybe ruin that party or spoil that party. And I don't like that these two are my sleepers, but I wanted to mention them. Um, one of them is uh, is Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. I think that the program that he's building down there, and I thought that I would never say that about a Lane Kiffin football team because I hated him at one point in time, but I think that the program that he's got going down there is very, 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 very well right now. And I think that it's only going up, and people seem to be all bought in to Lane Kiffin, and they love playing for him. And I, I really expect them to have a really good year this year. But the other one 
um, and I know that everybody's going to hate me for it, is uh, Lincoln Riley and the uh, the USC Trojans. I think that they might have a potential to, to have a pr- pretty special year, and I hate to say that, but Caleb Williams coming out there and following him out there and the type of program that he's building out there, um, unfortunately, looks to be very successful in the, in the coming football seasons. But I wanted to add that and also mention that uh, congratulations to Best Virginia on the uh, the TBT placement in the national quarterfinal. But other than that, Great point. looking forward to the backyard brawl and uh, pit to eat shit. Yeah, eat shit pit always, for, uh, always now and forever. And that game will be coming soon. Like I said, 17 days from the uh, day this episode is released will be September 1st, and the backyard brawl will be kicking off, as will the 2022 West Virginia season. And these are some of our predictions for that upcoming season. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube side, you know, we love the interactions. Go ahead, go down in the comments, drop us your record prediction and any other of these stat predictions you want to chime in on. We love the interaction. And like I said, Backyard Brawl preview coming soon from the Country Roads webcast. Be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks. Until then, this has been Season 5, Episode 129, the 2022 Season Prediction Roundtable Edition. Thanks for Ryder for joining member of the Country Roads webcast team, special guest here in this episode. And yet again, thanks to Coos, Justin Coos Walker from Coos's Corner on YouTube for joining us as well. Be sure and check him out. Coos's Corner, that's C-O-U-Z apostrophe S Corner on YouTube and also on podcast platforms. Thanks for him for joining. Great show here for Bradley and for Steven. As always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go. Mountaineers. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those